I get a, I get a kick out of, uh, you know, daylight saving. And um, so I was reading some articles about daylight saving. It's actually daylight saving, not with the S. So that's what I learned about this article. I registered to say daylight saving, not daylight savings, singular. I don't know why, but just thought I'd tell you guys that. And uh, they say that people make a lot of mistakes because they lose that hour of sleep. So I got thinking about that. And my son Colby's got knee surgery tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, oh, Lord, I hope the surgeon is ready and prepared. <laughs> so pray for Colby. He's got to rescope his knee again. ACL, he had torn a couple years back. It's been bothering him. So he's got to rescope that baby again. So pray for his surgeon that he got sleep, that he wasn't up late, that that hour of sleep will not affect him doing the wrong knee. So. Maybe they could do brain surgery on Colby. No, I'm just, no, I'm just teasing. He's a good boy. Um, I, you know, years ago, I, uh, I, I, I was filling in, I, I was making this rock wall in front of our house and, and I was filling in, I had to fill in it with dirt and I was too cheap to, 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 uh, have someone dump off a, a bunch of topsoil to put in there. I go, ah, you know what? I could just get dirt from our backyard. There's enough dirt back there in the woods and I'll just wheelbarrow it in. And after about the second trip, I'm like, this ain't happening. I mean, I had so much to fill in. And so I'm just thinking, I said, this is, I'm tired. I'm, I'm trying to shovel in my, my boys were real young then. And they're like, daddy, we'll help you. And they come up with their little plastic shovel. I'm like, it ain't going to help. Right. And all of a sudden I'm in the front yard and I'm like, I don't want to pay money for dirt. There's just something wrong about paying money for dirt when I'm standing on all this dirt that I could get for free, right? That's just, didn't anybody else think that way like me that you're, the birds call your name? Cheap, cheap, right? Okay, so, um, so I'm sitting in the front yard and I'm like, man, I just don't want to pay money for, but I'm going to have to give in. And I'm just like, Lord, just help me here. What? All of a sudden, I'm not lying. I'm not lying. As God is my witness, I'm not lying. This huge front end loader, comes down our street and across the street there was a new build and there's this huge pile of dirt in the new build so i go and i lay in front of the front end loader and i just i said do you have like five minutes because it just two buckets maybe three would just fill my thing goes sure i'll do it for you i'm like you're an angel God bless you. And so he went, he went across the street, put it in and dumped it in there. We spread it out and I, I was done like within half an hour. It was just like a, a godsend. And I got thinking about this. I was thinking about our lives in Christ. How many of us go through our lives, go through our lives, having a soup spoon to try to fill in this huge, massive amount of dirt in our lives with no power When God says, I have this front end loader called the Holy Spirit that I want to empower your life. Have you ever felt that you just gone through your Christian walk and you just feel powerless at times? You don't feel that power. You feel like, well, maybe that's reserved for some super, super spiritual people. I I want to let you know as we finish up our series on the Holy Spirit that God desires to give you this front end loaded power that he desires to give to every single believer to help us live out our walk with him. And so what I want to look at today is, I want to look at the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, that God desires to give you, that's beyond yourself and your own strength. This is a supernatural thing that God desires to give believers to help us with our walk with him. And so we're going to look at these characteristics 
of the power of the Holy Spirit and what does that look like in your life? And as we've been going through the the, the, the Holy Spirit and understand what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We un, we've come to understand that Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go away. And it's good that I go away because if I don't go away, the helper will not come. And so Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, but I'm going to give you the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, which we've understand is, is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit desires to have an active role in your life every single day. And so Jesus, the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come and be in you and help you to live your walk with me. God just doesn't leave us up to ourselves to try to figure it all out. He gives us everything we need. He gifts us with everything we need from heaven that we might live out this Christian walk. And let me tell you, living out the Christian walk, if anybody tells you it's easy, just slap them in the face because it's not. How many can agree with that? It's not. It's a struggle. It's a battle that we have. Some of us may even think, you know, before I was a, a Christian, it's, sometimes it seemed easier. But now that my mind has been in, 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 you know, light, when a light came out of my mind and understanding who Jesus was and how he died for my sins, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, now I realize the things that, that I'm doing are wrong. And, and many times we're like, there's this battle within us to, to want to do what's right and to obey the Lord. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to give you the presence of the Holy Spirit to help you in your walk with me. So you're never alone. And so he sends us this helper and Jesus gives these unique names to the Holy Spirit. He calls the Holy Spirit helper, counselor, advocate, all our descriptions of the person of the Holy Spirit. So for the past month, we've been discussing this person of the Holy Spirit. And, and I love the characteristics. And let me just give you a couple characteristics of, of, of the Holy Spirit that we see in, in the Old Testament. What I want to do is I want to look at the different names, the Hebrew name of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And then, and then we're going to draw it from the New Testament. And then we're going to see the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And what are these characteristics and how can we live this out each and every day in our lives? If, if you want to follow, I've got notes in there for you. If you, you want to follow, we've got kind of a lot of notes today, but I want to give you a lot of scripture and a lot of notes today to help you as we just wrap up this series on, on the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, there's an interesting Hebrew word for the Holy Spirit, and it's the word ruach. You kind of have to, like you're doing a loogie. Let's all say it together. Ruach. You guys can do better than that. Ready? Ruach. It's like you're, you're doing a loogie. That's the correct Hebrew way of saying Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And, and the word literally means wind or breath. It's, it's a word that means wind or breath. So, so when, you, when you see the word spirit, as you're reading through the Old Testament, it's this word ruach. And, and it's described here for us right at the beginning of Genesis, the first book in the Bible. And here's what it says the Holy Spirit does. In Genesis 1-2, it says, The earth was without form or void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the ruach of God was hovering over the face of the water. Now, now, what does this mean? It means that it was the ruach of, of God, or this wind or breath of God, that gives life to creation. It was the very breath of God, the spirit of God that gives life to his creation. It's the very ruach or breath or wind of God that gives guidance to his people as we read through the Old Testament. And I love this verse that speaks of God's guidance through his spirit in Psalm 143.10. It says, teach me to do your will. 
for you are my God and may your gracious Ruach or spirit lead me forward on firm footing. And so it was this, in, in the Old Testament, we see God's spirit breathing life into creation. God's spirit leading and guiding his people. We see the spirit kind of coming on people and leaving people. But it was this guidance, this power to give people life in their living for God. In the New Testament, we see the Greek word for spirit in the New Testament. It's pneuma. It's this Greek word, pneuma. And, and the, the, the purpose that we see in the New Testament God promised in the Old Testament through the Old Testament prophets that he says, my spirit is not just going to be kind of hit or miss. I'm going to give it to some people, not others, as we as we see uh, in the Old Testament. But there are prophecies that God said, listen, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. The, The prophet Joel even prophesied about this, that that all flesh shall be able to receive the Ruach or the breath or the spirit of God that I'm going to pour this out on all flesh that we might experience this very power in our life. And so the Holy Spirit is given to us, as we will see, to give us power to be God's witnesses. And so let me, let me read for you uh, Jesus' prompting to his disciples right before he's going to leave uh, when he goes and, and dies on the cross and then eventually three days later will, will rise from the grave, he, he prompts and he encourages his disciples that they're not going to be alone. That the promise and the gift of the Holy Spirit will come upon them. And listen to how Jesus describes the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. Let's look at a couple passages here. Luke twenty four forty nine. And Jesus says, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my father to actually come upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with what? What's the word Jesus uses? Power from on high. And so he's telling these early followers, listen, wait. And so what they do is they go to Jerusalem. There's 120 of them. And they're waiting for this, this promise, this gift of the Holy Spirit before they are to go out and actually become witnesses for Christ. Jesus wanted them to be empowered with this Holy Spirit. It was vital that they had the Holy Spirit upon them, that they would be witnesses, because Jesus knew the persecution that they were going to face as the early church, and they would need the presence and the power of God to help them and to guide them and to be with them as they traverse through the trials of this, of this world. Acts 1, 4 and 5, once again, he was eating with them, And Jesus commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Look at a little further down there in Acts in verse 8. He says, here's how you will know you've been baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about this in a little more detail in just a minute. But he says, but when you receive What's the word again? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, listen, when this power comes upon you and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the purpose of it is to be witnesses in our world. So if you're here today and you say, man, pastor, I, sometimes I feel weak in my witness. I, I get nervous uh, about being a follower of Christ. I get nervous around other people that may not have the same 
belief that I didn't. And, and how can I be more bold in my witness and be more confident in my walk with the Lord? The answer is right there. The answer is there. Jesus says, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Allow the power of the Holy Spirit to live within you. This is what's going to help you traverse through the trials of this life, to traverse through um, uh, difficulties that may come your way, to give you a strength to stand up for me in these days. How many know we need the strength of the Holy Spirit to stand up in these, in these last days? Can I get an amen, church? Okay, so th- this is vitally important here. So Jesus tells his disciples that the Holy Spirit will immerse their lives. And so Jesus uses a couple words here to describe the, actually the work of the Holy Spirit and, and the life of a believer. And I want, I want to look at these two words before we dive into how does it practically look in my life. And so the first word Jesus uses to describe what the Holy Spirit will do, he says the Holy Spirit will baptize you. And so what does that mean? What does, he says, you know, John, this was John's baptism. He baptized you with water, but just in a few days, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, and in fire. What, what, is, what, is, what does that mean, Pastor? What, what exactly does this baptism look like? Well, think about, think, let's, let's use water baptism as an example here. When we do water baptisms, we follow the example of Christ where we do uh, full immersion, uh, immersion. We don't believe a little dab will do you. We, we want to follow the example. Uh, no brill cream here for you old people like me over 50. You understand what brill cream? I actually, I need a little brill cream. Actually, I need a little, little, uh, what do you call that stuff to dye your hair? I don't know. Anyways, but I'm getting real gray. Lily reminds me every day. That's why I tell her to play out in the street. But anyways, so here's, here's the issue. So, so how do we, how, how do we understand this? This, this baptism. Well, let's understand it through, through water baptism because we believe in full immersion. This was, this symbolizes my, my, my death to sin and, and I rise new in Christ. I, I'm, I'm fully connected and unified with Christ in his death and resurrection. So if you've not been water baptized, let me, let me just implore you to sign up for that because this is your witness to the world that you now identify with Christ and his death and resurrection going under the water symbolized this was my old life and you come up new and free and cleansed in Jesus Christ forgiven redeemed it's a powerful thing to watch that's why baptismal services are probably one of my favorite things we do all year at living word because it's someone who was lost and is now found it's someone who was dead in their sins who are now alive with Christ. It's a beautiful symbolic act of dying and rising with Christ again. So if you get water baptized, you have a lot of sins. We keep you down a little bit longer. For you, you have a lot of... We like to watch those bubbles come up, okay? And then we, we bring up... We haven't lost anybody yet, so, so don't worry, okay? Um, so, so Jesus uses this, this word, um, baptism, to describe um, being fully and completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. He goes, I, I, I want the Holy Spirit to permeate every part of your life. And when the Holy Spirit permeates every part of your life, there's this power that comes with it that you know that you are God's, that there's no fear. You, you, you're not going to fear what man can say against you. You're, you're not fearful about the future any longer because the presence of the Holy Spirit is within you. And you're like, what can man do to me? It doesn't matter what's going on in North Korea. All this other stuff. We can worry. Can't we worry about everything? 
But when the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit is in our lives, we don't fear, we don't worry because we are in God's presence, that God is now in control of our lives. And we now yield ourselves to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do the work that he needs to do in our lives. So, so Jesus uses this baptism to describe being completely immersed in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus uses a second word, which is baptism. But then he says there's this power that comes with it. And, and it's the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get our English word for dynamite. It means this explosive power of God. And so why did, why did Jesus focus on the power of the Holy Spirit and why in his followers to be filled and completely immersed in the Holy Spirit's presence? And, and what does the power of the Holy Spirit uh, do in your life? How does it practically look? So I want to just give you three practical things today on, on how the power of the Holy Spirit should look in our lives. And, and, and let me just say this. It's not for a select few as I said earlier, or or super spiritual people. Listen, this is a gift that God desires to give to you. And it's interesting, when you read through the book of Acts, there was this beginning that happened in the church in Acts chapter 2 where God baptized them in the Holy Spirit. But there was this continual filling of God's people that you see all through the book of Acts that allow them to do extraordinary acts for God that were beyond themselves. This isn't just like, okay, God, I have your spirit and let me just, now I just go through my mundane Christian life. God says, listen, I want to continually fill you with my presence to give you this power. And what's interesting, like, even as you read through the book of Acts, there was a time where, where, where Peter was being interrogated by the Sanhedrin and, and just under intense persecution. And the church was, was praying for Peter to be released from, from this interrogation from jail and then Peter's released, and then, and then they all came back together, and they were rejoicing. And then it says, and, and when they were praying, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit again, and they began to speak the word of God boldly. It's like, it w- this didn't happen in Acts chapter 2 when the 120 were praying, but it kept happening over and over and over again that they were being filled, being filled, being filled with the presence and the power of God to help them in their daily lives. That's my desire for all of us. That we would realize, God, I need your presence and your power. There may be a point in your life where you just feel like you're at your wit's end. Or how am I going to get through this? And God fills you with the spirit and gives you this sense of boldness and power in your life. That you know is not from yourself. This is from God. This is not from me. I can remember I was on a missions trip. And I asked this one girl. She could speak Spanish. Her name was Stephanie. I said, Stephanie, this ain't working with me. Because you're interpreting for me. The kids, after the interpretation, it's just not as powerful. I go, I just want you to speak to the kids and just share Jesus with them. And she was like 15 years old. She goes, oh, Pastor, I can't do it. I'll be so... I go, you're interpreting for me. You're doing fine. She goes, yeah, but you're with me. She goes, you're right by. You're right next to me. And I looked at her and I said, Stephanie, the Holy Spirit's in you. You don't need me. She's like, okay, pray with me. So I prayed with her. And she got up there. And I don't know. She, I, I couldn't under, I, She was speaking Spanish to the kids. And it was like, she was like Billy Graham. It was like, she was just, kids were getting saved. And it was just, and she, I remember after that, she got done and she looked at me. She goes, that wasn't me. That was the Holy Spirit. She experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, this filling of the Holy Spirit in her life to do something that was beyond herself, to give her strength, to speak God's word boldly. 
to be his witnesses. And it was great to see this 15-year-old girl experience the presence of God's Holy Spirit. No, this same girl, this same 15-year-old timid girl started a, a prayer group at her high school. And she named it All Out for God. Okay, let's not, let's not hide that group, right? Just, if you want to come, this is all up for God. So she, she started this prayer group. 150 kids showed up to this prayer group. It was so big. They, the, the school put, us, put, put her in this small little room. Too many kids showed up that we had to have it in the gym. And we kicked kids out of the gym so she could have her prayer group to, to have her uh, Bible study, uh, her Bible club in the school. The same girl. I said, I, I just, and she's living for the Lord today. And it's just a great testimony of God just using her boldly from that moment in her high school just to be a witness for Jesus. Amen? God desires to do that in our lives. And so there's this power. And so, so, so let's look at this, this power that he gives us. And I just want to give you three things real quick here. First of all, the, the Holy Spirit gives us strength that's beyond ourselves. So this empowerment, this baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us power and strength that's beyond ourselves. I love this. Ex- Let me give you an example here in the Old Testament. Um, there's a very sad part of Israel's history that because of their waywardness and, and their backslidden state, God judged them by bringing foreign nations in to take them exile. And so it happened in a couple waves, 722 B.C., Assyria came in, took northern Israel, and then 586 B.C., uh, Babylon came in and completely destroyed the temple of God and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and took, and took many captive into Babylon. And a very, very sad point of Israel's history because the temple symbolized the spiritual center of Israel's life. It, it, it just showed the destruction of not only a physical building, but the destruction of their own spiritual lives as they, as they walked away from God. But God was not done with them. And God said, if you turn your heart back to me, I will send you back to this very land. And so many years later, uh, God, uh, through his providence, allowed them to go back and restore Jerusalem and, and specifically restore the temple, the place of worship. And there was this governor of Judea, his name was Zerubbabel, and he went back, and it took forever to get the, the, the temple uh, uh, to be rebuilt. It was 17 years. There was resistance to it. The people that were there weren't helping, and other people were coming against him, and he was at his wit's end, and he just wanted to give up. He says, I'm done. I, I, don't, I'm, I, I miss God here. But nothing's happening. The temple's not being rebuilt. I'm not getting any help. I'm just getting resistance. The enemy's coming against us. What should we do? And what God does is he sends two prophets to encourage Zerubbabel to not give up in building the temple. And so he sends Haggai and Zechariah. And in Zechariah, we see the word of the Lord that came to the prophet Zechariah not to give up. And listen to what Zechariah says to Zerubbabel after 17 years of trying. And some of you here today, you feel like, man, it seems like year after year after I've been praying for something, I've been doing this, and I just feel like it's not going to happen or whatever. Listen to what God said through the prophet Zechariah. In Zechariah 4.6, says this to Zerubbabel. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Everybody, everybody knows what, what's the Hebrew word there? Ruach, right? By my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so what God was encouraging Zerubbabel, listen, Zerubbabel, it's not by your strength or by your power. 
but it's by my power and my spirit that you will accomplish this. Look at the next verse. I love the next verse. This probably encourages Zerubbabel so much because it says this, nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. Can you imagine if you heard that word? You're like, man, this is awesome, right? It will become level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in its place, the people will shout, may God bless it. May God bless it. Or in other translation, translations, grace, grace, grace to it. God's grace to it. And four years later, the temple was completed. And they had a celebration of what God could accomplish through his spirit. And so I want you to understand it's strength beyond ourselves. God will accomplish things not by our strength, but by his spirit, by his ruach. And I think sometimes we want to control things. And so we get frustrated and God says, listen, I want to get the glory for this. Not you. I want you to experience my joy and my presence by how I'm working through you, through my spirit. And so sometimes we're put in those situations where there's no hope and that we feel like there's, there's no way I can get myself out of this or whatever. And God says, listen, allow me to work through this situation, through the power of my whole, uh, through the Holy spirit. The Apostle Paul reiterates this in the New Testament as he writes to the Romans. In Romans 8, 26, it says this. And I love this verse. Very encouraging. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our what? In our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. There are even times in our lives where we are so weak that we cannot even pray. But the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit actually prays through us in our weakness to give us strength. Have you ever been just so sick in your life, physically sick? You're like, I just, I'm so sick, I can't even pray. And then you have someone else that just prays for you. That, that's how the Holy Spirit and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit works in your life. He prays for you even in your weakness. I remember one time, I, I, got, I, caught, I don't know if it was food poisoning or the bug or the flu or all three in combination, I'd never felt so sick in all my life. And I remember I, I would just have fever, and I didn't know if I was going to throw up or what, what was going to happen. I remember this was the first time ever I got to go see Syracuse play in the Dome. I'm like, nothing is going to stop me. So my dad and our two boys went with us, and I remember I go, Dad, you're going to have to drive because I'm just too weak. But I, I said, this is my pilgrimage to the Dome. I'm going to make it. I'm going to do it. And so I went, and I was sick as a dog. We got into traffic. There was 30,000 people at the game, and we got caught in traffic. And I'm like, I'm lean, literally leaning out the window in Syracuse on the expressway, <laughs> right? And then we had to go to D, then when we had to go to the dinosaur barbecue before, I couldn't eat anything. I'm like, I got to sit in the car. I made it through the game, week all the way home. I slept. I got home that night. It was the worst night of my life. I couldn't even get to the bath. I was so weak. I crawled out of bed and it was just like this. Don't mean to be, it's early in the morning. You guys were eating breakfast, but it was like this projectile. I'm going to die at this moment. And I couldn't even, Kathleen's like, really? You just couldn't even make it to the toilet. Really? And so all I remember is Kathleen's hand on my back just saying, God, just help Barton. Just help him before I kill him thrown up on the carpet, right? And, and there's those times where you are so weak. But here's the good news. 
The Holy Spirit within us gives us strength beyond ourselves. That we are weak, he is strong, and he wants to show himself strong to you even in those times. Um, and and so, so when, you, when you are weak, understand this, that it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life that's going to give you strength. That, that you know this isn't from yourself. This is, has to be from God, that he's given me this strength. The second thing I want you to see here is that the Holy Spirit gives us power to actually share our faith and our belief in Christ. This, this is the reason why... God wanted the, the gift of the Holy Spirit to come upon the early church and to baptize the early church for this very reason, so that they could be witnesses in their world because he knew that they were going to come, up, come against uh, heavy opposition. And so many of you, you're sitting here today and you say, Pastor, I, I get so nervous about sharing my faith. What if I say the wrong thing? Or what if someone asks me a question uh, that I don't know? And I just want you to understand something here. You don't have to have this persuasive speech. You don't have to be a debater. You don't don't have to be a theologian to be bold in your faith. I think sometimes when you go through a difficult time in your life and the faith that you have to stand firm in who Jesus is and how the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit gives you that faith to do that, People are going to start asking because they're going to say, how did you get through that? How did you make it through? Why is your faith so strong? And you can be, you can be honest. Sometimes I struggle, but it's God who helps me through these things. It's only through his presence and the Holy Spirit that helps me through these things. And you don't have to have all the answers. But God wants to give you a word that's fitting for that right time to share with someone who is hurting who needs to hear that word. And so sometimes when we're, when we're opposed, and it, 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 it strengthens us because we may not have the answer, but you know what it may cause you to do? To go look for the answer. Not to get in an argument with someone, but to say, you know what, I want to be stronger in my faith, so I want to know this answer. So I love just getting in dialogues with people like, hey, someone asked me this the other day. Like, there's so many... You know, contradictions in the book. Someone asked me this question the other day. They, I, I mean, they said, Pastor Byron, I'm talking to some friends, and uh, they told me that there's a lot of contradictions in the Bible. So I said, okay, here's what you ask them. Show me one. Go back and ask them. Show me one contradiction. And I go, nine times out of ten, they heard it from somebody else or some weird website or whatever, and they don't know themselves. That's just what they told them. So I said, well, tell me one, and then we'll talk about it. And nine times out of ten, they can't, they can't do it. Sometimes there's just a simple answer, just throwing it back at people. But here's, here's where the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit comes into your life. They give you that boldness to want to share. It gives you that boldness not to sit back, but during that time where you feel like, hey, this is a, this is a time where God wants me to share my faith, not to put other people down, not to make yourself more righteous than someone else or to, to have this self-righteousness, but to humble yourself before the Lord to realize you have something to share. Every single one of you that have come to Jesus Christ, you have a testimony. You have a testimony of what God did. Sometimes people aren't looking for all the theological answers. They're looking for hope. I loved uh, uh, a couple weeks ago when we were on the missions trip, we had a Sunday morning service, and I was able to hear my daughter Lily share a testimony. That was pretty funny because she says, oh, I was a rebellious kid and I didn't listen to my parents for a couple of years and I realized I sinned against God. And I'm thinking to myself, when, when did she do that? She has this big rebellious life. Listen, some of you may think, hey, I was brought up in church. I really didn't have this big sinful life. You have a testimony. 
of God's saving power. No, if some of you, you've got a laundry list of, man, this is the way I used to live my life, right? I made a lot of mistakes. But by God's grace, aren't we all in the same boat? We're all in the same boat. We all needed God's grace. We're all sinners. And so we all can relate that every single one of you have a testimony. And it's very easy. Just share what your life was like before Christ, what drew you to Christ, and what your life is like now. It's not perfect. It's not, it's not you know, that, that doesn't mean you're living in a bed of roses and you smell potpourri every day. It's not perfect. But with God's help, he's helping you live out that walk. Every single one of you have a testimony. I love what Paul said about this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5, he says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. Here the Apostle Paul is saying this. Because the Apostle Paul was kind of being knocked, knocked down for not being like others who had really great oratory skills. And Paul says, actually, I'm kind of a boring speaker. My my words really weren't that wise. They weren't persuasive. but here's, here's what was different. But with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. God's not looking for great, to, have, to have you have great oratory skills. He wants the Holy Spirit to work through you. That's what changes hearts. It's the Holy Spirit. Paul wasn't this eloquent speaker, but he knew it was the Holy Spirit that was working in him. Um, many of you may know that Billy Graham passed away a couple a couple uh, weeks ago. Just a, such an influential, powerful example of faithfulness that we can look to in our Christian walk to Billy Graham. This is what Billy Graham said about witnessing. Are you ready? So we're all in the same boat here. This is Billy Graham. Look what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, sometimes I feel so helpless and inadequate and I wonder if I've done enough to make the gospel clear. How many, I'm in that boat. How many in Billy Graham's boat? If you're not in Billy Graham's boat, there's something wrong with you. This is Billy Graham. Billy Graham said this. And listen to what he said. But I also know that only the Holy Spirit can open others' eyes to the truth. Everybody say amen. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Billy Graham says this also. He says, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and my job to love. Just love people. Love people. That's the the best thing you can do is to love people right where they're at and let the Holy Spirit do his work of convicting hearts. Amen? And so the last one here um, is this. The Holy, and this, I love this, and I I really wanted to um, just wrap up the whole series on the Holy Spirit on this one thing because I think it's, it's just so important for us to understand. I love this. The Holy Spirit will give you hope when you feel all hope is lost. Here's what I love about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Paul says this in Romans 15, 13. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what the Holy Spirit does in in your life. When you feel like your future is, is just not clear, when you feel like your way is not clear, when you feel like there's all these hurdles that are in front of your life or this, the decisions you made in your life are, are just overwhelming you or you feel like your, your past decisions come to haunt you constantly and you feel this regret 
and guilt over your past and, and what you've and, and, and what you've done. Here's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if, the, the power of the Holy Spirit will remind you of the hope that you have in Christ. It, it, it will steer you back to your relationship with Jesus and what he's done for you. That Jesus purchased your very life on the cross. That you are now not your own. That you were bought with a price. He will give you hope and joy to allow you to know that your sins have been forgiven. That there's a God that we can run to. That we can find forgiveness and hope even when we make mistakes and we sin. That we can find healing and forgiveness in the power of Jesus' name. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in your life. It reminds you of who you are and it protects you from the schemes of the enemy, from the enemy lying to you to, to strip down your worth. So anytime you feel like you're unworthy, that you're not fit, that's not the Holy Spirit speaking to you. That's the voice of the enemy to try to rob from you the very things that God desires to give to you. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of who you are in Christ. That my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. My hope is built on nothing less. And the Holy Spirit will remind you of those things. And give you power each and every day for your living. So when you feel like giving up, you feel like things aren't working out, that you thought, or you feel like you've let others down, I want you to remind yourself of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within your life, that your identity is now in Christ, the Holy Spirit will always draw you back to Jesus' side. That's why we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit each and every day in our lives. I like what Jesus said. Let me remind you again what Jesus says in John fourteen sixteen. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, another counselor in the Holy Spirit. And what are the words that Jesus said? Who will never what? He will never ever, ever leave you. And so that's the promise that we have in Christ Jesus, that he will never leave us or forsake us. And so here's my prayer for you as we just close in song. Some of you may be here today and you just feel like, man, I'm in a rut, Pastor. in, in, In my walk with the Lord, maybe there's not that freshness that you've been desiring. And maybe the maybe the the common denominator there is you need a fresh filling of God's Holy Spirit in your life. Maybe you've been running off fumes and feelings that you felt a year ago or two years ago or three years ago. Maybe you said, Pastor, I had that that passion five, six years ago, but I don't feel that passion. I don't I don't have the hunger that I used to have for God's word. I don't have that hunger I used to have for sharing my faith that I used to have. The common denominator is a fresh filling of God's Holy Spirit. Paul told Timothy to fan the flame of the gift that was originally given to you by the laying on of hands. And I think what we need to do is to fan the flame of the Holy Spirit in our lives to allow God to do the work that he needs to do in your life. And so if you're lacking that faith and that boldness and that desire and that hunger that you used to have, I believe there's a disconnect with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And the way we renew that is by saying, God, fill me anew and afresh today. I want to desire, I can't do it on my own. I need your help. 
And God is available to fill you anew and afresh today. To give you the passion and desire that you're looking for that can only come from him. So as we sing this song in closing, I love, I love this song. I want it to be our prayer today that Christ is always with us, that he's the cornerstone, he's the foundation that we need today. So would you bow your, just let's just pray together just quickly. Let's just pray together. Would you bow your hearts with me today as, just the, as, we, as we sing this song in, in closing today? And I want to pray for you today. Lord, I just pray for all of us here, including myself. God, you would fill us anew and afresh with your Holy Spirit. We can't do it without you. And Lord, I just pray for anyone in this place that just feels that they've lost that desire. It doesn't mean they don't love you, Lord, but they just, that passion to want to serve you has waned. It's gone a little stale. Lord, I just pray that you would fan the flame in our hearts again for you, God, that you would renew in us a right spirit once again. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to every heart here today that you've not, you, you will never leave us or forsake us, but sometimes we, we stray, but, but you don't stray, God. You, you're, you're always waiting for us. You're always available to us. You're always available to give us your grace and your mercy when we need it and we ask for it. So we thank you for your faithfulness. And even when we don't feel it or sense it, May we stand on the knowledge of knowing that nothing can be moved when we are in Christ Jesus. So God, fill us and breathe on us anew and afresh today. We thank you and we love you. We just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen, amen. Would you stand with me? Let's sing this unto the Lord. Let's make this our prayer today, Jesus, our cornerstone. God bless you to sing it to the Lord.